discussion boards, podcasts, green screens, and blogs. We all have our favorite ways of helping students make their thinking visible. Thanks for listening in to the Teach Fest podcast, where we explore our successes and sometimes our failures with EdTech in the classroom. Each week, we will toss about ideas and share what we are learning as we work towards our goal of reaching every child, every day, in every way. Welcome to the Teach Fest podcast, where we explore student-centered learning pedagogy and edtech in the classroom. In this inaugural episode, we hear from several students in Dr. Rachel Lauber's orchestra program at Brighton High School as they discuss the challenges they've overcome and the lessons they have learned while participating in the performing arts during the COVID pandemic. Listening to these young musicians, I'm inspired by their resilience, creativity, and sense of community. Their comments are excerpts from a longer interview that was part of a day-long content drop at the end of the first semester. This special event was a culmination of a semester's work exploring a variety of elements associated with the work of musicians. Student work products include an impressive collection of solo and collaborative musical performances, visual art products, student photography, and other creative pursuits. If you would like to hear the full interview and see other amazing content, including the artwork and virtual performances by these students, check out their project page at bhsorchestras.mystrikingly.com. Yeah, I think we can probably just start with some introductions, right? Um, I'm Andrew, currently a senior right now at Bryan High School. I play the violin and I've been with the BHS Orchestra for four years now. Hi, I'm Lillian. Um, I'm a junior. I've been with the BHS Orchestra for three years and I play the viola. Um, hi, I'm Bill and I'm a sophomore and I've been with the BHS Orchestra for two years and I play the violin. I'm Eliana and I'm a junior and I've been with the BHS Orchestra for three years then and I'm a violinist. Uh, all right, I'll go next. Hello, I'm Leo. I am a senior at BHS. Uh, I've been in the BHS Orchestra for currently four years. Uh, oh, and I play violin. Hi, I'm Emma. I'm in 10th grade and I play violin. Um, I'm last. I'm Zoe. I play the bass and this is my second year in the orchestra and I'm really excited for my two other years to come. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's everyone right for now. Um, so yeah, so today right now we're going to hold a kind of a Q&A discussion panel. Um, it's going to be, a, you know, a casual conversation, uh, but we're going to talk about, as Dr. Lauder previously mentioned, just um, some things about music making in, in the COVID era, uh, what it means to even be a musician in this time. Um, and so we have, we've prepared a kind of a list of questions and I think what we're going to do is we're probably, I'm going to say one and then anyone feel free to jump in. Um, but our first question today is, um, how has being part of the BHS orchestras been a help to you this year? So anyone who wants to jump in first, go feel free to do that. I can start. Um, 
The BHS orchestra has really helped me this year because I'm normally a more nervous person, I'd say for myself. And it's helped me because it gives me something to do that kind of grounds me. Because sometimes when I'm like doing my work and I'm like, oh, I have like this test or this paper and like all this work, it's nice to be able to do orchestra and play music on my own. Because it's nice to have something to like work on if I'm ever feeling nervous or like stressed about school. It's nice to still be able to create this kind of environment at my house, which is what COVID has been hard with everyone, I think. And to add on to what's been said so far, I think also orchestra this year has been a space where I can collaborate with other people because it's a lot harder to do that when in-person things are not really happening. So we have upbeat and we have our lessons where we just talk and play. And one other thing is orchestra has given me a space to be creative, not only with music, but with visual art, which I think is a lot of fun. Plus, we did some stuff with music and medicine, which I found very cool. Yeah, for sure. I think something that, you know, has kind of been a thread through all of your answers has even been this idea of even in the midst of a pandemic where there's so much uncertainty and there's so much unpredictability. It seems like with orchestra, there's just been a sense of consistency, even at least for me, that's been super valuable. And it seems like for all of you guys, too, with this idea of this community still being here, regardless of whether we're socially distanced. This is a really precious thing, I think, especially for this time. Um, so I'm so glad to hear you guys speak to that a little bit. Um, for the second question, uh, it's what has the impact of isolation been on your life as a musician? Um, and how have you found ways to collaborate during this time? I want to say that I think that um, since we're in isolation, we can't really collab with anyone else. I have a little brother and I have been playing a lot more duets and stuff with him as like a way to like collab with someone else and play with someone else. So I've been doing that. Collaboration this year is definitely, of course, different from past years when we actually have orchestra in person. Uh, I'll, I'll particularly reiterate uh, what one of the other students said about um, Upbeat, which uh, if you don't know, it's this, um, this software that uh, we just started using this year for recording different pieces. And it's, um, I, I think it's worked better, uh, better than I thought it would. And, uh, it's how you may have heard many of the pieces that, um, that, you've heard, that you might have seen in the other hours of content drop. Uh, and we're, we're still able to get together on Zoom and we've had to innovate a lot, but, um, yeah, we're still able to collaborate a lot. And I, I like that. Yeah, for sure. Actually, I wanted to jump in um, also, Lillian, what you and Leo, you guys kind of alluded to this, but this idea of like innovation um, during this time, I think it's interesting, Lillian, you brought up this idea of like right now, especially this year, for example, creating those upbeat recordings instead of performing live, you know, going outside to make these, you know, incredible videos uh, together. I think even in a sense, these limitations have forced us to push beyond our boundaries of comfort um, and to seek ways to be creative that we might not necessarily have touched upon if we were in a normal year where we we're you know, getting together and performing together. For our next question, it's how has the role of being a musician shifted for you 
the past several months. Um, so feel free, whoever wants to go first, take it away. I can talk about that. Um, my role has really changed because I feel like I have to be a lot more independent because I know sometimes if I'm in a group orchestra, like if I'm with my seven other basses or however many there are, it's a lot easier for me to like ask a question, be like, oh, like, how do you play this? No, like, is it this or this? And like, it's easier to kind of hide then, I feel like. It's easier to just kind of like, cause some of our pieces we do are hard for me and it's easier for me in a group orchestra to be like, oh, I don't have to like, play it as well if that makes sense but now I've really appreciated like learning all the notes and like figuring out how to play them all and I don't have those other people to rely on which I think made me a stronger musician because I was able to like for the recordings it was like just me like so it was helpful to be able to like practice more independently. And I think to add on to what Zoe was saying, in addition to making me a stronger musician, it's forced me to take more control. And I don't really have things to practice for in the same way because we don't have concerts in the exact same way. And it's very different. So it's forced me to really take practicing into my own hands and to really make sure I'm doing it and keeping up with all the music. And then to expand on the hearing yourself play, that definitely has an effect and you watch your intonation more carefully and you have to be sure that you're playing it very at a very high level. Yeah, I agree with both of you and that it's probably made us stronger players and just more independent in general. And I found that like making your own schedule throughout the pandemic has been a challenge, but something I think many of us have overcome, like making a consistent practice schedule is something I've been trying to do for a long time and was finally able to do during quarantine. So I've been really grateful for that. Yeah, I think for me, I don't know if you guys can relate, um, but I, I think, you know, there's just so many change this, changes this year, um, you know, just being a musician and all. And I feel like for me, it's like, it's forced me to kind of reshape the way I think about music, um, especially when you're not, maybe performing live or you're not working, you know, right next to someone in a chamber group. Um, it's for me, it's like, it's forced me to kind of turn inside and think about, okay, what does music really mean to me? And where is my relationship with music? And I think, I think this pandemic has forced me to consider that kind of dynamic and that relationship as well. Okay, awesome then. Yeah, I think we can probably move on to the next one. Um, so our fourth question for tonight is, what are some of the technological challenges you have overcome? Um, what has been successful and what has not? I think this is something we all can probably share on a little bit with Upbeat and everything, but um, go for it. Upbeat was a nightmare in the beginning. To set up with my bass, to set it up at the same height, was so difficult for some reason. So it kind of took me some time to just get used to that. And it was really frustrating at times because you'd record it and you'd have to calibrate it and you'd be like, oh, like this is fine. Then you calibrate it wrong. But I think I'm glad I had this experience because I'm glad I got to learn how to use the software. 
Um, I also want to say that when we're using upbeat for performing and stuff, where we have to wear headphones, um, sitting at the desk and playing the violins with your wires connected to your computer and your headphones, your hand gets caught a lot, and then you would have to restart and then press the buttons again, and it'd just be a lot of work to do, to do a simple like 30 second recording. <laughs> But I was thinking about, I think at the beginning of the year, we were playing the Bieber and the first violin part had nine measures of rest at the beginning. So it's kind of a nightmare to calibrate. But on the other hand, we had been playing mostly with the metronome backing at that point. So you didn't really, have, counting was made a lot easier. So I think trading out the calibration for the careful counting. I'm not gonna say every problem, but um, in general, at first, uh, many of us had uh, challenges that we had to adjust to, but uh, I think we got used to it. Our, our fifth question is, how have you rearranged your workspace for this new way of creating? Um, and then what are some of the logistics that are associated with coming up with this new way? I mean, it's all just like MacGyvering stuff together, right? Like I have a table that's in a good position for me to put my computer on to record, but it's not high enough to like capture where my instrument is. So, you know, trying to find a box that is tall enough, but doesn't have a rounded top. And then, you know, during lessons for, for an instrument where you need to sit down at like for a piano example, I I end up rubber banding my computer to my music stand and tilting it downward. I have, so I usually record up here because it's the quietest space in my house because my brothers are using other rooms and my desk is kind of an, it's a little bit awkward level to have my elbow on, but I it works well enough. And then I usually, I've been pulling up the music on my tablet actually because that's just easier to figure out than a music stand. And then I've been tucking like the wire from my earbuds, like under the corner of my shoulder rests because that I found after getting it caught on my hands a bunch of times that gets it on like out of the way. Cause it's more on my left. It's close to my left arm as opposed to in the way of my right arm. So I found that works well. That's actually so smart. Oh my, yeah, I'm gonna start doing that now too. <laughs> Last question is, how have you grown from these experiences? So it's pretty open-ended, um, but again, anyone who wants to share, feel free to jump in whenever. I can um, start us. I think I kind of discussed this earlier, but I think I've become a lot more independent when I come to my work and with orchestra, which is helpful but it's also hard for a person like me because one of my favorite parts of orchestra is like being able to see everyone. And it's really made me appreciate like what it was like before this. Like I miss like coming in the room and like seeing everyone and having help tuning. And I even miss being scolded about talking to my other bassists just a little bit. So it's, it's hard to not have that and I don't know, I'm really gonna, I miss that and I hope that soon it can all be happening again. So maybe with masks, D-Law won't be able to see me talking. Um, I wanna say that in orchestra, usually you would know the people sitting around you, like the people like next to you or behind you a little bit. But since 
when we've gone on Zoom, you know, you started to realize all the people that are in the other sections, like the cello. Since I send the violins, I don't really talk to the cellos. I don't really know them. But with on Zoom, since we can't always play, I've been getting I've been getting to know the other people a lot more, knowing them as people instead of just like people as musicians who play the cello on the other side of the room. As a musician, I think sometimes we find it kind of hard to listen to ourselves record. And I know that I did at the beginning of this. Like I really didn't like listening to myself after I recorded it. Um, but through upbeat and stuff, I've kind of had to do that. And I've gotten more used to it. I'm like, that's okay if that one seat was off or whatever, it happens. And I think I've learned to accept like the little mistakes throughout my playing. I really relate to what you said, Emma, because I, I'm the same way. Um, and when we're playing live together, one, it can sort of get hidden, like Zoe was talking about earlier, but two, it's transient and it's gone as soon as it's reflected off a wall. But listening back and being like, oh, I missed a B, sharp, or a B flat there and there and there, it can be really useful for recognizing patterns in your playing. And it's really difficult to sort of force yourself to listen to all of those mistakes that you're making, but it's it's really rewarding when you can do that. I definitely agree with you. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I found when you're recording uh, all these pieces in Uppy, uh, as Lily and Emma said, you um you're just playing alone you, you don't get to hear i mean the, it's helpful that it's definitely helpful that um we're playing along to some backing track that um so that it feels like we're playing with someone else um but then when we hear um ourselves playing then we we get to we we get to uh hear our mistakes way more than in past years so we can we can uh, have a great opportunity to improve on it also i'll mention that with um with everything's happened in the past half a year we've also gone to do uh more of these other uh, uh creative assignments that you might have seen throughout the day really it's given us an opportunity to see explore uh other creative aspects of um, relating to orchestra and what we're doing in orchestra. Uh, and it's something that could last um, into future years, even when we're back together playing orchestra again. So that's going to, um, that's that could stay here even after I'm done with all this virtual stuff. I agree with what people have said so far. And I think also for me, at least, it's given me more patience, especially with the technology, because it's a lot of recognizing it's not going to necessarily work the first time. Maybe it's not going to work the second, third, fourth, fifth times either, but it's keeping going at it and persevering until you get one that does work and that knowing that you will get there but also recognizing that it's not going to be perfect. So settling at good enough is definitely something that I've gotten more practice doing, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, with the virtual environment, it's hard to be perfect in a sense, right? I mean, when you're like in person and you're playing with each other, I think it's 
there's just something about that communication you don't necessarily get in the virtual environment. And I think it makes it hard to even, even collaborate again on virtual, in the virtual environment and um, doing like playing music virtually. Um, but I, I think for me, like even these, like knowing, knowing that there, there are these limitations again, um, going back to the idea that, you know, these limitations help us grow. Um, and, and I think it's knowing that even sometimes you can't, not can't, but there are these, um, you know, these restrictions that push us again to think creatively, um, to push beyond our boundaries. And I think there's a lot of growth to be made in that kind of, in that kind of foray, um, in that kind of pushing action. Um, and, and I think also for me, just in general, I, I think if there's something that's, or there's a word that's characterized this pandemic, it's definitely been time. Um, that's something that I've had more of, I guess, in a sense, just waiting, um, you know, for all this to be over. But I think with time, I've done a lot of thinking myself. Um, and I think for me as a musician, I think that, that that's been pretty instrumental in my growth um, because just thinking about my relationship with music, it's almost bred within me even a deeper love for for you know, my, my relationship with music. And it's kind of, for me, it's solidified why I play music in the first place. Um, I think that's it for our questions. I think we're done now, but I do before, I, I do want to say thank you, Dr. Lauber, um, just for everything this year. It's, it's crazy. And I know for orchestra, it's, it's, I mean, you know, it's so weird having to be socially distanced and you know, having to follow these regulations, but thank you, Dr. Lauber, for everything that you've done um, and, and putting together this concert. Um, it really means, I'm sure it means a lot to me, not only me, um, but everyone else here. So, And a huge thanks goes out to Andrew for facilitating this interview and to all the students for participating in this reflective conversation. This year has presented us with many challenges, but you all have risen to the occasion and shown us that when it comes to making music and sharing it with others, there's nothing that will get in your way. Go Bruins! Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Teach Fest podcast. I hope you found today's insights helpful and relevant to your classroom practice. Our theme music is Schoolyard by Crowander and is available royalty-free on freemusicarchive.org. Mark your calendars. This year's Teach Fest conference is scheduled for Wednesday, July 7th, and will feature a full day of sessions designed to support your professional development with ideas like the one you heard today. Keep on innovating.